Well, Brian, I always refer to you as my brother-in-law, even though technically, you know, Cindy's my sister-in-law, but it seems more endearing to think of you as my brother-in-law. That being said, I'm going to pick on you. And I told Brian that I was going to pick on him today, especially if he wore the Seattle Seahawks jersey. Actually, that being said, Brian, in my encounters personally, text messages, emails, and phone calls, I've realized that there's a lot of us that are kind of not sure what to do today. I thought it was just me. But you're wondering why I'm picking on Brian. Last night we were seated at the table. We were having dinner or something, and Brian, I wish I had a video of it. You know, you looked at me and you went, there is church tomorrow, right? And we'd been talking about it. But what you didn't realize is what you prompted something going on inside of me. There is church tomorrow, right? And actually what he wanted to know was the timetable. He wanted to know the timetable, you know, when to get up and have coffee and get ready and everything, and they rode here with Wendy. That's really what was going on. But I didn't tell them what was going on with me was that I'd had a lot of conversations with a lot of people that are a bit, um, how do I put it, uh, mixed emotions, not sure about the calendar. For example, we've been gone. We've been on a holiday break, the Bryants have in the Waples. We picked them up in uh, Pastor John SD. <laughs> I sent him an email about SD, San Diego. And we were on kind of a holiday break, weren't we? You know, we stayed at a couple of different motels, hotels. La Jolla was one of them, downtown craziness. And I had times where I was wondering, what day is it? I'm working on a sermon, so I know there's a sermon coming up. I know there's worship coming up. I know there's a Sunday, but I wasn't really sure what day. And then to top it all off, now some of you might have to cover your ears, but I hope not. Top it all off, I got an e- I've got a, don't have it in my pocket here, I got a text message from someone this morning that said, we can't make it to church, Pastor. My mom's too pooped to come after Christmas. <laughs> but isn't that the truth? Honestly. Isn't, really, isn't that the world that we live in, you know? We think we're headed one direction, and we realize that reality hits, and we actually have to deal with what's in front of us at the moment. And what's in front of us at the moment is, here you go, it's not New Year's, it's not New Year's Day yet. Now, if you were to Google, like this Sunday, you were to Google it and say sermon ideas or worship ideas. Let's say you did that in general. Most of what would come up would be there's all kinds of people having a worship service and they're having a uh, sermon about the new year. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it because we just celebrated something so special. We just celebrated something wonderful, something gracious, Christ among us, the infant Jesus born for you. And I thought, one week later, I am not rushing into the new year. We got plenty of time for that. John, I invite you to come forward now to the podium. And, and last Christmas Eve, and even on that morning of Christmas Eve, we kind of looked at Luke's version of the Christmas story. Because that's my favorite, and I get to choose. Today, however, there's one other version of the, of the Christmas story, and it's Matthew's version. And John, would you share that with us, please? All right. 
Our scripture for today is from the book of Matthew, first chapter, verses 18 to 25. The birth of Jesus, the Messiah. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he was resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to make Mary your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken to the Lord, or spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but he had no marital relationships with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, John. Oh, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be truly acceptable to you our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. I almost said by the words of my mouth and the words of Hope's mouth back there. Hey, Hope! Someone said a long time ago that in the midst of all the busyness of Christmas and all the things that we tried to do and keep up with, do you remember, do you know that grace appeared? That's what happened. Now, you theologians out there know that if you open the Bible and go all the way back to the Genesis, you're going to see where God's grace appeared a long time ago. But I love to look at Christmas. I love to look at the nativity scene and even in our lives especially and look for the ways and the places that grace appeared. About a year from now, I'm going to celebrate 2018, and I'm going to look back Maybe I'll have a picture or a story or something or maybe someone beside me on my left or my right where I'm going to be able to say, yeah, I know all the places in 2018, at least I think I do, when grace appeared, especially when I wasn't expecting it, when I never thought it was coming. I opened an email. I answered the phone. I turned around. I opened the front door or I walked into a gathering and there was someone there that I didn't expect. Huh. God's grace indeed appeared. It was as if the child was born again and again and again and again and again right in front of me, in my heart and in my soul. I suppose there are Christmas and Advent seasons that go by, and I never mentioned Joseph. In fact, there are. This year, I thought, you know what? I'm going to seize the moment. We still have a Sunday before we rush into 2018. Why not grab a hold of what God has given us? 
Seize the moment. Hold on to the moment. Let it become part of us. So much so that perhaps as we move on into the next year, we'll be reminded of the way that God's grace still appears over and over and over. This, of course, that's actually someone's idea of what the angel must have looked like when it visited Joseph. And there was Joseph with his steely yet gentle eyes. And then the two, the conversation that they would have had afterwards. I like to talk about Joseph a little bit because Joseph brings out, especially with Matthew as the writer, you know, that dimension of the Mosaic Law and those of us who do any study know and realize that if Joseph would have stayed with the Mosaic Law, he had something really hard in front of him. It was to do much more than to disown Mary, but it would actually be to have her stoned. There was no way that he was going to do that and no way that God would allow that. It's like all of these stories, they're packed full. If we really think about the, the, the history and the culture and the biblical stories behind them, there's so much more to these stories than often what we tend to see on the surface. Um, this is, uh, I just typed into Google, traditional Christmas card nativity. And did anybody here besides John and I read the, the, that, that really great narrative by Philip Yancey that begins with, Christmas cards? John, I'm sure you read that. It was yesterday or the day before or whatever. Wow, was that powerful. And every one of us in this room, I'm convinced, we know what he said is true. We know it is. We've taken Christmas and we've taken especially Christmas cards and we've just really cleaned things up and made them so beautiful. It's as if Jesus was born in a stable that looked like that. When indeed Giovanni Papini, one of my favorite writers as of late, describes that, that stable, that, that nativity area, as really dirty and smelly and stinky in the home of the animals. He even refers to it as a prison for animals. It was so powerful to look at reality. Jesus was born in the midst of pain, filth, and the reality of the everyday world, right where you and I live, right where you and I are always seeking to find grace to appear and have it to be so tangible that we can get our hands around it, our arms around it. Maybe that does happen. Does it not? Look what Luke has to say about this. And she, Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. No room for them in the inn, by the way, has prompted all kinds of really neat plays, neat dramas. Right, Brandon? All kinds of really cool uh, shows and things that we've done, especially giving the children a way to get to know the story. Anyone here familiar with Los Posadas, the inn? You know, we celebrated that last year with our Hispanic friends who share this building and this campus as well. Well, I was reading today, John, by Thomas Merton. 
Did you read that, what he had to say about what's going on with the inn? I know not everybody can see this, but you've got this card like this at home. You've got it on a shelf. I'm sure you do. Right down here at the bottom, it says, peace on earth. There's something that we missed there when we put that together with the fact that there was no room for them in the inn. Merton reminds us the reason why there was no room. Anybody know? There was a census going on at that time, a Roman census. Why? To maintain Roman peace. And the reason why people were signing up was they wanted to make sure and see if there was anyone else who was eligible, any, anyone is eligible to be a part of the military. Yeah, they wanted to be taxed because they wanted to see if there was more ways that they could feed the machinery of Rome, feed the Roman peace. Here's the point. When the Prince of Peace was intentionally never to be included in the inn. Because if he would have been included in the inn, the Prince of Peace would have come to be a part of maintaining the Roman peace. Thomas Merton made that understanding. That's in a reflection that he wrote recently, that he actually wrote. It's in a book that I read recently. Another way that God said and still says, I'm not being part of the world and I want to call you out of that world as well. So here's the challenge. Here's the challenge, not for just today, but for the future. I challenge you to join me to look for the ways that grace continues to appear in your life. I want you to listen for it. Look for it. When you're holding on to someone, a family member, a loved one, a friend, shaking the hand of a stranger, is there a chance that grace, God's grace, is appearing right there on that very moment? Is there a chance that when you snap that picture of the kids or the grandchildren or the great-grandchildren or John and Sylvia, you do that video like you did of Cambria, that what you've got there is a moment in time of God's grace appearing before you? I had a moment of grace appear in my life the other day, and I, I, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest. I talked to a gentleman who, for whom he was my best friend as I grew up in Michigan. And, I mean, we were inseparable. Well, inseparable till about the mid-80s or so, and I went in one direction and he went in the other, and we've seen each other maybe once since then. And the last time I talked to Jeff, babe, I think it was about 2011 or so, and I got word from a mutual friend the other day, he contacted the office, that my buddy Jeff has cancer. And the, whole, the reason we haven't talked is we're still the best friends we always were, but we're just busy going in different directions. Well, those of you that know me know that a 10-minute phone conversation is long. Long. I was on the phone with Jeff 57 minutes, and all we did was scratch the surface. You can imagine my buddy. I grew up in his house, and he grew up in our house. He's got cancer, 
he decided to look for me. He actually got help to find me. I got his phone number and called him. And then we talked about all the crazy stuff that we did growing up. And then he said to me, Red, that was my name growing up, this has been the best Christmas present I've ever had. Now, I want you to hear that that's not about me. Not only do we look and find God's grace appearing everywhere, but we just might be the bearer of God's grace as well. In fact, we are the bearer of God's grace. So know that. Claim it for your own as you move into 2018. Look for God's grace and know that you're carrying it with you as well. And you just might be carrying it into someone's life who has a real need for that grace at that very moment in time. Oh, gracious God, your grace appears all around us and within us. Your grace appears even when we go to someone else in need. Guide us as we move into this new year. Be that grace that surrounds us. Be that graceful moment that we might be able to take to someone else. Help us to hold on to the gift of the babe in the manger. The manger that it is, is our heart. It is always and everywhere in the name of Christ the blessed one that we share. Amen.